How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to 19-Year-Old Shrink. This is Will John Grande. Today, my sister Jillian is going to join us. Earlier this year, she was awarded a scholarship by Holy Cross to do nonprofit ministry work, and that is where she found Mary's Meals, which is such a great organization. Uh, the vision found on the Mary's Meal website, this isn't my vision, um, but this is theirs, word for word, is that every child receives one daily meal in their place of education, and that all those who have more than they need share with those who lack even the most basic things. And this is definitely a charity that revolves around faith life, um, which we'll dive into later on. And Jillian spends much of her time fundraising with the goal of feeding 1,518 students at St. Joseph's School in Malawi. But she also participated in diocesan mission appeal, as well as other private events to help raise funds across different countries. So Jillian, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Great. Awesome. And how have the last couple of weeks been since I've been gone? Uh, how's how's dad doing? Dad's doing great, playing a lot of golf. There's no loose, white, dirty socks around the house, so I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, well, I, I don't know who you're talking about. So, <laughs> But yeah, thanks for joining. And, you know, starting off, we come from a family that we're not too religious. I used to go to church like twice a year, Christmas and Easter. I've gotten better with it, but can you tell us, because you've become a lot more religious, your faith life has become very important to you. How did it get to that point? So when I was 16, I moved in with my cousins for the summer and they took their faith very seriously. It was beyond evident that the faith played a huge role in their daily life just from living with them. Um, They had something that I knew I wanted, which was just this inner peace and this joy that they radiated to everyone around them. So after about four weeks with them, I remember looking to my dad and saying, like, I want what they have. And my dad says, what does that mean? I was like, I think I have to stay and explore what this life looks like. So I started at this super small Catholic high school in Maryland that fall. And it was quite a different experience than Greenwich High School. And I loved Greenwich High School, but this was a very small 20 kid per grade, all girls school in a Methodist church down in Kensington, Maryland. So when I first started there, I was around a lot of people that took their faith very seriously. And they had the same thing my cousins did, which was this joy and peace about themselves amidst all the struggle that they had in their daily life, whether it be financially or whether it be at home or just personal struggles. And I was so motivated to discover how I could have that myself. My high school religion teacher exposed me to St. Thomas Aquinas, and I was encouraged to take advantage of the access to the sacraments that the school had. And Combining those two things, I started asking myself the important questions. What mattered to me? What did I think was truth? And so Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologica spells out all these different ideas and questions that people are constantly wondering in our daily lives. And I just, his arguments were coherent. His arguments were very reasonable. And I was like, all right, this is it. So then I got confirmed that year. And then as time has gone on, just continuing to practice the sacraments and continuing to surround myself with people that take their faith seriously. I want more and I want to keep taking those steps. So that's kind of how it's continued to grow, but it's definitely by the grace of God alone and not my own merit. I mean, I've definitely seen you change, although I say, or like when we're fighting, I'm like, it might not seem like I recognize that you've changed, but I definitely have seen, seen you change a lot. And Thomas Aquinas, I know in Delaware, we were talking about Phil was saying, oh, he's a Jesuit. I love the Jesuits. And then you're like, no, he's Dominican. And then you you stuck it to him because he is Dominican <laughs> and he was he was just defeated. And how do you think your faith life has evolved since starting this journey when once you moved down to Maryland? Because I know it was it was tough for me, like not having siblings for like in the area 
um, for the last couple of years of high school, but I know it was definitely a really important move for you. So how has it evolved since you started that journey? Um, I think there's this quote that I really like, and it's a C.S. Lewis quote that says, like, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, nothing was the same. Um, I think that every single day and working for Mary's Meals this summer has really taught me is we're given millions of opportunities to choose God in every situation that we're in. And as humans, we're going to not choose him in certain situations. That's when we choose sin. So I think that over time, practicing prayer, surrounding yourself with people that take their faith seriously and returning to the sacraments over and over again and recognizing where you still need to grow, you end up growing in your faith and it becomes more and more important to you. So that's, I think, the main reason, but really just the grace of God alone, because like none of none of what we do is a result of our own action. It's a response to saying yes to God. That was a really cool quote because uh, I talk about like the compounding effect a lot. Uh, in a nutshell, it's kind of a very similar thing. How, like people get impatient with like not seeing results or not being where they want to be. But, you know, that quote definitely stands out because it shows like how over a lifetime or over 10, 20 years, things could seem a lot different, even though like day by day, it didn't really seem that way. And, you know, I, you just alluded to Mary's Meals and how it's helped you in your journey. And I'm sure it's done like great things for that. And it's a secular organization, um, but founded by a person who is very faithful. So how did you stumble upon this? And what made you choose this organization in specific? So I first encountered Mary's Meals the summer after my freshman year of college, so summer 2019. And I was invited on a pilgrimage to go to Medjugorje, which is a small village in Bosnia, Erzegovina, where since 1981, there's supposedly been, supposedly the Blessed Virgin Mary has been appearing there. It hasn't yet to be approved by the Vatican as official apparition site, but it is an official pilgrimage site in the church. And I remember my freshman year, the only reason I had ever heard of Medjugorje at that point in my faith life was because one of my teammates' grandfathers was cured of cancer, a rare form that nobody in the world had ever been cured of. And he was cured on the mountaintop there. So when I was invited, I was really curious. I'm like, okay, clearly God's trying to invite me to do something or take a new step in my faith. I wonder what this trip is going to entail. And even as I started preparing for the trip, I was hearing all these miraculous stories. One in particular, um, David Deal, former NFL player, two times Super Bowl champ, went over there and he told my father this experience of his father appearing to him on that mountain. And he just had a experience of closure to his father's passing that he had never had before. And he even was the reason my dad had let me go on this trip because my dad was nervous about me going, you know, to Bosnia alone to meet my friend and her mom there. So he had a huge role in me being able to go. So when I was there on the main drag leading up to the pilgrim church, there are a bunch of shops with rosaries and Marian images and crosses. And then there was one shed that said blue shed that said Mary's meals on it. And people were there in Mary's meal shirts, just handing out flyers, talking to pilgrims. And there was bread set up on the tables. And I asked my friend's mom, Tara, who went there in the spring, I'm like, Oh, what is this? And she said, Oh, it's a fruit of Medjugorje. And I was like, what does that mean? And she said, the founder had his own experience at Medjugorje that compelled him to start this organization. That's why it's called Mary's meals after the blessed Virgin Mary. So we checked out this shed and on the fat on the fasting day, because in the village, they fast on Wednesdays and Fridays as a form of prayer, as well as to offer it up for the children who don't have enough to eat in the world. And I picked up the book 
And I was just so moved by how the organization organization started, especially since I was on my own pilgrimage there. It's like, wow, like this is what someone experienced as a result of their trip here. I wonder what my trip's going to entail. So I started reading the book and then I was about 50 pages in when my friend's mom was like, okay, we have to go to the next stop. But I still remember like the joy I had reading that book. And I was like, I need to come back here. Then Christmas rolls around that year. And I never had the chance to go back to the Mary's meal shed that week. And Tara Bogarts gave me that book and said, I remember how excited you were to read this. I wanted to give it to you for Christmas. And so I read it on training trip a few days later in between practices. And I remember just feeling like this overwhelming sense of joy and just watching like how all these things snowballed into miracles for these children, you know, how every little connection led to this organization working. And there were tons of different crazy ideas that people were using as a way to grow Mary's meals. And like, I I was just drawn towards that because I'm like, this shouldn't work, but it does. What were some of those ideas? So there's a girl in the Midwest that started her own blog that rated her school lunches. And she started getting enough attention that people started donating to it. And she started donating these funds to Mary's Mills and it became so big. I believe there was even a lawsuit against this poor little girl because she was rating the school lunches so harshly as a way to raise money for the organization. And then there's this one restaurant in the Midwest that they call it a meal for meal program because each meal only costs 11 cents. So whenever they sell a single meal, they donate 11 cents to Mary's Mills. So they donate, you know, biannually to Mary's Mills. And it's a really cool program because there's a tangible result. And then there's a woman that I got to work so closely with this summer. She's a saint. She started making t-shirts with her son because her son looked at her after hearing the founder, Magnus McFarlane Barrow, speak about Mary's Meals. And he said, mom, it's so easy to do something good and to help this organization. And so they started designing Mary's Meal shirts. They sold them in the back of the shirt at the back of their churches in Iowa. And then sure enough, Within 10 years, they were selling 30,000 and they had to create their own nonprofit that directly donates every bit of their proceeds to Mary's Meals. Um, so there's lots of things like that happening all over the world. And there are kids setting up lemonade stands. There are kids setting up bake sales. There are some kids building things and selling them. They're, one of my coworkers' daughters sells jewelry on Etsy. And what's really special about Mary's Meals is that more than half of the donations that come in are things like that are these grassroots donations. And, you know, you never hear about that with nonprofits that are having as big of an impact as Mary's Mills. So that really moved me because I knew that God's hand was at work in this and that Our Lady was interceding in the work that was happening. And what is Mary's Meal, what do they do in specific? So our mission is very simple. We provide a meal to a hungry child in their place of education with the hope that we not only meet the direct need of the hungry child by providing that meal, but we also encourage education, which breaks the cyclical experience of poverty that a lot of these children and these nations experience. So it's a simple solution that works. And um, we call it a locally owned solution as well, because we buy all the food in each of these feeding countries locally and all the volunteers that serve it. It's not people that work for Mary's Meals. They're local volunteers that are most of the time the parents or the grandparents of the children attending the schools. And how many countries is it? It's in 19 different countries. Wow. Can you just give a little insight into how Mary's Meals changes the lives of the children it serves? I know you've touched on it a little bit, but if you want to speak a little bit more to that. So Mary's Meals really does have a substantial impact and it's so simple. You wonder why someone didn't come up with it sooner because it's really addressing the underlying wound of poverty, which is 
lack of education. Getting a child to go to school without any food is is really difficult, you know, because they're not going to be motivated to learn if they're thinking about how hungry they are. And they're not going to be motivated to show up there and their parents aren't going to want to send them if they know that their kid could be working for money somewhere. Whereas if you get the education, you can set your kid up for a future where they can actually provide for the family as well. So that's one of the ways that has a substantial impact. And I can tell you right off the bat, on average, attendance rates at school increased 25% across all of our schools, some even more than that. So 25% more students are showing up to school when Mary's Meals programs are put in place. Yeah. And I think like at face value, people might say, oh, it's cool because they feed children and like, that's it. But I think what's cool about Mary's Meals is obviously it's going to have a spillover effect because you know, being able to eat, it affects everything in your life. You can't function without eating. They're not only helping them like survive, but they're also helping them thrive too in school and being able to thrive um, in their future. And what would be like a specific example of someone who has been a recipient of Mary's Meals and their story, one that's maybe stood out to you? Yes, there's one that I use um, at one of the events I spoke at this summer, and it's the story of this wonderful girl named Lette. And the video is available on YouTube as well as the Mary's Meals website. And so Lette is from Malawi, um, and she was just 11 years old when her mom passed away. She dropped out of school to care for her two little brothers, scavenging for food so that they would have something to eat. Every day was a struggle for survival, and despite Latte's best efforts, they often went to bed hungry. But thanks to the kindness of people that donate to Mary's Meals, the story doesn't end there. The promise of daily meals at school brought Latte back into the classroom. Instead of searching for scraps of food, Latte was able to focus on her education, and she began to learn and thrive. Nine years on, she's about to graduate from Jacaranda School for Orphans and has a bright future ahead of her. And so all the generous donations of people all around the world helped Lette on her extraordinary journey from hunger to hope. But millions of more children around the world are still waiting for Mary's Mills. And that's why our work is so important, because we have children like Lette that we see the impact of what we're doing. And we say constantly, it's like, it's about feeding the next hungry child. That's a great story. And I saw it. I think it might have been on the website quote that stood out to me was where body established the purpose of encouraging and making effective the acts of charity performed by individual people, like, because organizations do not perform charity like individual human beings do. And I think that's important to know. And I think what some people struggle with, with charities is maybe feeling like their donation might not be enough. But if you can talk about how that they can help in this way, if you can just fill them in on like, how much like a little donation really means, because going back to your like little acts of love, Yeah. So something that I really love about Mary's Meals opposed to other organizations, because I've fundraised before for other incredible organizations that are doing great work, but something about Mary's Meals is is it's very tangible what you're doing. $21 is the global cost to feed a kid for an entire school year. So you know that when you donate $21, you are feeding one child for an entire year. And oftentimes this was another thing I really loved about my work this summer was we never really said, oh, someone donated, you know, $21. We said someone fed a child for an entire year or someone fed two. And for example, like when I'm counting for my donations for my school, so far I've fed 377 kids at this school, but I never say like, oh, I've raised 8,000. No, I've fed 377 children. And it helps remind you that this isn't just about raising funds for some arbitrary person somewhere else in the world that you may never meet. It's about 
an individual child whose life stories can be rewritten because of the opportunity to go to school because of Mary's Meals Feeding Programs. Um, so that's something that I think is really impactful. And oftentimes, like especially at the events that I've spoken at, people donate in terms of children as well. So instead of donating $100, people donated 105 because that fed five children for an entire year. So I think that's what stands out about Mary's Mills because you know exactly what your money is doing versus other organizations. You don't really see the impact or you don't know the impact of your donation necessarily. That's a cool way to look at it as looking at it as like, children as opposed to like dollar amount. I think that's really great. And this is just like a question in general. And this is not every person who's like wealthy out there, but like there's a lot of people who might be like really wealthy. They have everything going for them. People like so many people love them, but they're still like miserable and they're still like upset. But like, again, I was like, when I was doing my research, I saw like some of these parents are like making like a dollar a day, barely making it. And then you know, when they receive all this, you know, love and all this help from Mary's Meals, they're like so happy where they could still be focused on all the things that they don't have. Why do you think, you know, those people who might really struggle a lot find a way to find happiness? And in what ways does Mary's Meals spread this happiness in a way that's different than other organizations? I think the backbone of Mary's Meals is hope and that virtue. And everything that we do is grounded in that. One of our big pushes this year was food changes a story and really instilling that in the people that donate because this simple meal a day changes the trajectory of not only that student, but their children in the future and their immediate families, you know, parents, it's difficult for parents when they can't provide for their kids. So having your children receive these meals because someone in the world was in a position where they could donate this and provide for them is such a gift and they treasure it. And I think oftentimes you can appreciate more when you have less. And I think that's why you see this joy because they know what it's like to experience that pain. They know suffering. And when they're given even just a little bit or a little something to alleviate a little bit of that suffering, they are overjoyed. And something I really love is we'll get sent videos of kids when they first get Mary's meals put into place. And you see the volunteers and the children dancing in the streets with the pots and pans that are now going to prepare the food that they have. And I think the virtue of gratitude prevails for these families in a way that it doesn't in our culture, because, you know, I think, especially in the United States, we get so caught up in wanting more, you know, like once we hit a certain goal, we have to do more or it's not good enough anymore. We have to do the next best thing. And we realize often when it's too late that like the things don't matter, the relationships do. Um, and something our founders said that really moved me is there are much deeper human wants that can only be met by the giving of time, by listening and sometimes speaking, by expressing empathy and demonstrating solidarity. And something else he says quite frequently is much more often I have missed opportunities to listen to my coworkers or make friends with people in communities we serve because I've been distracted by much more mundane things. And meanwhile, I've missed the chance of something much more important, the chance to build a relationship. And I think what this is getting at is that so much of our joy is derived from living a meaningful life and not by the things that we have. And our meaning is not, it doesn't necessarily have to do with like the things that we have, but recognizing our innate dignity as a beloved child of God. And these children recognize how loved they are when they are given this gift. And what something that I found really interesting, which might be a little bit of a tangent, but it was highlighted in the books is at times, people that sponsor school, which is one of the ways that people can get involved, which means that you provide 
or you help fundraise to provide an entire school with the school feeding program for a year. And I'm doing one of those projects right now for St. Joseph's school. They don't feel comfortable having their name outside the, the school because they're like, I don't want these kids to feel like a charity case. But then what they found as they kept visiting these schools or Magnus, the founder of the organization, kept visiting these schools, he found that the kids were sad when they didn't have the name of the person that donated or the organization that donated outside the school because the kids genuinely felt loved because they were like, wow, someone else in the world or a group of people somewhere in the world in a far off land that I've never seen or ever heard of thought, I want to give my time and my money to help give to these kids. And so they don't look at it as charity. They look at it as a gift. And I think that's where a lot of the joy comes from. And whenever anyone from the organization goes and visits these schools, because we don't do mission trips because we want it to be a locally owned solution and we want to not infringe on their culture or feel like a charity case, we want them to be enabled to, you know, take on this challenge and conquer some of the hardship that they've dealt with. Our founders like always comes in and there's hundreds of children coming to hug him and just give him love for setting up a structure that allows so many people to give straight from their heart over to these children and rewrite their life stories. So much of that like resonated with me. I think you're talking about the relationship first off, like uh, I did a mission trip when I went to Ecuador um, and like we played with the kids in the community, did a bunch of stuff and like being able to see how important we were to them and also how important they were to us. Like, I think it goes both ways. I think there's like sometimes like a misconception that maybe charity is like one-sided, but it really isn't because they're providing just as much for us as we are to them being able to build that relationship. And I think like for me, when you said relationships are like what changed lives, that's the only thing that really matters. I can totally agree to that because when I was like younger, I was a freshman, sophomore in high school, like I had everything I wanted. I'm lucky enough to say that I have a roof over my head. I can have whatever food I want, but I wasn't like very happy because I didn't have like those really good relationships with people. I didn't build those relationships. But now looking back on it, I still have those things, but why is my life better? It's because I have those relationships. And it's the same thing with them. They're able to find that in their relationships, even though they might not have the resources that we might. So that reminds me of something that Magnus also said. Don't mean to keep dropping quotes, but I just feel oh, like good. don't worry about it. <laughs> I feel like his words sum up so much of what our work is in such a beautiful and authentic way. And he said this, and I remember welling up in tears when I read this. If we recognize that in order to give, we must receive, we can see here that we have been given something beyond measure. If we believe and accept the gift, we will have received something that can fuel our giving for a lifetime and more. The more we develop a disposition that treats everything as a gift, the more instinctive and innate our charity becomes. We will feel compelled to share things that were never ours to keep. And the reason I felt like that was so important and moved so much was because you know, sometimes, especially as Americans, we go into situations where we're like, oh, we're here to save you. And more often than not, the people that we are giving to give us more in return than we ever give them. You know, we may be able to provide the food for them, but they're able to give us the gift of gratitude and joy that we never had before. Because we, ha- we have this, this access and we take for granted that we can roll up to a grocery store and get food. Or like when we go to school, if you can't afford it that the school sets something up for you or the government will make sure that you have food. We take that for granted. Whereas these kids can give us like the priceless gift of joy and gratitude that you'll never be happy without. So oftentimes, like, and I've said it over and over again, like Mary's Mills has given me so much more than I've ever given them. Yeah. I I think that that's huge as well, because like, if we look at it, some of these people are making a dollar a day 
we just spend a dollar like this and like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. But for them, it's like so, it means so much more to them. I like felt like I changed so much after the Ecuador trip because of those people, those individuals. And I kind of want to shift gears a little bit here to like the charity itself, like how they work and like how yours works in specific. So I think it's important for people to kind of have an idea of that. In regards to like when people donate, what system do you have in place to like ensure others that they're knowledgeable about where their money is going? Is, is there a way that they know that? So one of the programs that we have is called Sponsor School. And there's schools that range from 6,000 to sponsor to 200,000. So it just depends on how many students go to the school. And with the Sponsor Schools program is you know exactly which school the money is going towards. But if you donate generically to the website, they will use the money that you donate to sponsor some of the schools that maybe like fell short in fundraising, or they'll use it to start picking up other schools to sponsor. Right now, like especially during COVID, because we were able to serve in so many schools, like what we ended up doing was we provided meals at home to the children that were beneficiaries at their schools. And because we were so effective at providing that during a pandemic, like we grew so rapidly during COVID. Like it was one of the most giving years that we've had in terms of donations last year. And which is again, another thing that doesn't make sense because people were struggling with money last year all over the world because they were either out of work or things were tight because there was a transition in jobs, whatever it may be. The fact that we had a ton of more donations last year than any other year just goes to show that like God's hand is in this. Did you got, how quickly did you guys adjust once the pandemic started? Because I was going to ask you this, like, was there like a period of time where you weren't giving out the meals? Cause I was like, well, if they're not getting the meals, like that's a huge deal, but also you have a pandemic that can like kill people. So like, how did, how quickly did you all adjust? We adjusted pretty quickly. I don't know the exact amount of time, but I know that it was very fast. The reason it was so fast, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The reason it was so fast is because we had to do the same thing during the Ebola outbreak. So we already knew what to do because the kids couldn't go to school during the Ebola outbreak. And Mary's Mills was serving in so many schools over there that they had the system in place for it. Oh, that, that's great to hear. Yeah, I was just curious about that. And also, I saw that 93 cents of every dollar you guys that is donated to you guys goes to these individuals. So how are you guys, I'm just curious, like, how are you guys able to like sustain or like keep the program going? How did like charities work in that way? So that is a very high thresholds for it going straight to donations. Yeah. And that's something that makes Mary's Meals really unique. And we just keep operating costs super low. We don't try and make everything look fancy. We don't spend a lot of money on advertisements. Like we really do devote a lot of our time and a lot of our outreach to individual people sharing our mission because we want people to be invested in helping. You know, obviously donations are how we can keep this organization going, but sharing this work is just as important, you know, and getting Mary's Mills name out there. So that's one way our international headquarters is still a shed in our founder's backyard. So when he first went to Medjugorje on a pilgrimage for his faith, which is where he felt compelled to quit his job and start Scottish International Relief Fund, which then turned into Mary's Meals, um, he stored all of the relief that people were donating from appeal and churches in his father's shed. Like, so he went and delivered a ton of stuff that people donated to him to Medjugorje. Then he gets back expecting this was a one-way trip. Like he wasn't going back and the shed was filled again. And his dad's like, looks like you're going back. And so after watching with his brother in a bar, the, some of the devastation that was going on there, the two of them, like, we got to do something. And they quit their full-time jobs and started driving relief over to Bosnia and other 
areas in the country that needed help during that war. So because so much of our work, we keep the operational costs so low, um, that's how 93 cents every dollar. And most of the employees at our organization, like the people at the top are making what people towards the bottom at other charities are making. So that's a huge thing. Like the people that are working for the organization make fiscal sacrifices because they believe in the work and they treat it as a vocation. His book is called The Shed That Fed a Million Children, because to this day, he takes all of his calls from our international headquarters, which is that shed in his backyard. Um, so and actually Will's shirt that I got for him has the shed on it. Oh, OK. Well, that makes a lot more sense now. Also, like you alluded to the events earlier on or some of like the different things that people are doing across the country. But what are some of the different events that Mary's Meals holds to support this cause? So a big one this year that I invite all of you to join in on is the run is one. So it's the five-year anniversary of um, this run and it's a virtual run that takes place the week of Thanksgiving in the U S in particular, and people run a 5k or walk it, whatever you're comfortable with for Mary's meals with the hopes of like raising money to feed kids. Um, So that's one of the ones that like the organization puts on, but in general, it's typically people taking initiative and like creating their own events. So I spoke at a retreat center this summer for a family friend who was really moved by Mary's Meals work and wanted me to share it with her friends and family. So I spoke on behalf of the organization and it was just a dinner party essentially. And so there are people that do movie showings. There are people that do concerts. Like we just had a huge concert series out in Iowa for Mary's Meals. And then there are people that even do art auctions. It's really creative. Um, There's this actually at the beginning of the summer, this was crazy. These two men, I believe in their eighties, pardon me if they're a little younger than that, but I think they were in the eighties. They biked from Georgia to Maine to raise money for Mary's Meals. And one of them, I think might've had a stroke on the way up there, but kept going. He was like hospitalized for a few days. And then it got, he's like, I got kids to feed. I can't stay. And I remember like seeing these texts flood into our work group chat and being like, wow, like that is incredible that these people are just taking these initiatives to do these. I believe in Germany, there was a woman who was pushing a hundred that walked a hundred kilometers, I want to say, or something up there. And she made national news doing what she did. She was out there with her walker, you know, pushing it along for a few days. And I was just like, wow, you know, people take initiative and they end up doing events like that to help, you know, fund Mary's meals. And that's what I mean by like, you look at this and you say like, huh, like there are a lot of individual people that are doing these, you know, crazy fundraising ideas that end up summing to the work of Mary's Meals. It's not like Mary's Meals putting on a ton of work. Um, I remember when I first started working for Mary's Meals and I was trying to figure out where I could be of most service to Mary's Meals. My uh, supervisor had told me to draw a wheel and he said, you put your name in the middle. He's like, now I want you to draw all the spokes and on different spokes, put out unique talents or gifts or things that you love to do. And so I start writing things like swimming, math, um, hanging out with friends and family, barbecues. Like I was just putting random things and he was like, okay, now figure out what are some of the ways that you can use those things that you love in service to Mary's meals. And I remember being like, wow, like there are so many things I can do in that regard. You know, I was like, oh, I could do a swimathon, or I could do 
something where like I present in an econ class, which is actually happening this fall um, in a class called African economics. Like, so there were tons of different things that had come to mind that are totally not traditional or by the book in some ways they are, but in other ways, like Mary's meals doesn't have one of those to follow the, the blueprint for. So having that experience, like I realized that every single person that gets involved with Mary's meals has that kind of sit down and figure out like, what do I love to do? And how can I use these unique gifts and talents and passions in service to these children? And that's what makes it so special. It's great. You can kind of branch out and do whatever you want and like help people in a way that's kind of unique to who you are as a person, which is really cool. But also I wanted to talk about the t-shirts because I know you're wearing one right now. I have two. I I accidentally took one, an extra one, but dad covered me for the cost um, <laughs> with me back to California. But those have been a big thing that you've been doing. And, you know, it's been really cool to see um, at the beach. You've been taking all the pictures in Delaware with all the different family members. If you can speak a little bit to that, like what, what have you been doing with that? How are the, the T-shirt donations helping? So as I mentioned earlier, Ellen and her son, the woman from Iowa, decided to make these shirts because her son, Mike, who was actually um, in charge of the feeding programs in Malawi and uprooted his whole family to go over there and serve. So her whole family was super involved, made these shirts. And I remember when I first started working for them, it was like, oh, my goodness, like these are going to be a hit. And I looked at their website and I was like, oh, it's not super developed yet. And I was like, do you have a social media page? And they said, we have a Facebook. And I was thinking about all the kids my age that really get into wearing different graphic tees and like are always looking for something good to support. And I was like, Ellen, I, I have an idea. Like, what if I made an Instagram where I share people wearing these shirts as a way of advertising? Because something that I really do love about Mary's Meals is the joy that not only the kids that are receiving the meals, but the people that are involved in the organization have. Like it is evident in the people at work spaces that like Mary's Meals has an impact on how they live their lives. Um, and so I started sharing the shirts with friends and family and something that's really cool about the shirts is they feed a child for an entire year. So there's an anonymous donor that pays for the cost of the shirt so that every single shirt that you purchase feeds the child for an entire year. And I think that like, again, like I was saying earlier, the $21, having that tangible, you know, idea of what your money is actually doing is really special about these shirts. So being able to buy a shirt and know that this shirt feeds a kid for an entire year is special. And it's free advertising for Mary's Meals. You know, I very proudly wear my shirts all over. And on the back, it says simple solution to world hunger, food plus school equals hope. And that just conveys our message so clearly. And I've actually had people stop me on the street when I'm wearing them and ask me about Mary's Meal. I had my bank teller one day ask me about what my shirt was for. And it's really cool to see people's reactions and people ask me for information. Like when I was picking something up from a store one day, a woman was like, can I have your contact information to look more of this up and like what you're doing? And I was like, absolutely. So something I really love about the shirts and like running the Instagram this summer is I'm able to tell the story of Mary's meals through not only the joy on my friends and family's faces, but also through captioning and sharing little tidbits about what we do through the Instagram. And I think that really touches on the spoke wheel of like loving to spend time with my friends and family because it gave me the opportunity to share what I love with my friends and family and community this summer. Like it's probably been great for you to like reconnect with people. It's been a perfect way to reconnect. It's just saying, Hey, I've been doing this. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been cool. Like watching like everyone, like in a group together, wearing their shirts um, and they're very comfortable too. Like, yeah. They're probably Eddie, the most comfortable shirts I've ever worn in my entire life. And I'm not. Eddie lying. thought it was so comfortable. He wore it to his wisdom teeth removal. Yeah. Eddie did 
Yeah, it was wisdom teeth removal. And that was <laughs> hilarious. Oh my God. But yeah, he, he loved the shirt. And um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but I don't want to keep you for too much longer, Jillian. Do you have any other like final thoughts to leave people off with before we wrap it up here? Yeah, I would say appreciate everything that you have and take a time to thank your parents and your friends and family for giving you the life that you do have. Um, especially your parents. I think that our parents spend so much time thinking about where we go to school because it does have an impact on who you turn out to be. And these children, I've seen how much it changes their lives. So I've had a newfound appreciation for my own education. And that's why I'm sponsoring the school that I am, St. Joseph School in Malawi, after my high school, because they had such a huge impact on my life. So when I finish raising the funds for it, I'm going to have outside the school this school feeding program is sponsored by your friends at the Brookwood and Brookwood School in Kensington, Maryland. So I definitely think just taking time to appreciate it and our slogan, little acts of love truly can be applied to anything in your life. You know, the little things sum to the big things. For people who want to like learn more about the organization, the t-shirts, everything on um, your Instagram page, if you can just like give us that information, I'll also put it in like the show notes as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I'd love for you to like give that to us because I'm sure there's going to be people that are interested. Yes. So please check out the Mary's Meals Instagram. It's Mary's Meals USA, as well as Heartland for Kids is a t-shirt Instagram. And I'm in charge of running that one. And then just read up on the websites and watch some of the videos on YouTube. We have a movie that came out recently with Gerard Butler, actually. And he has a very funny story of how he got involved. But I'll save that for Gerard to tell you in the movie. But it is really special to see who ends up getting involved and how they get involved. That's honestly been my favorite part is like hearing how people hear about Mary's Mills and how compelled they feel to act as a result of their uh, encounter with it. That's great. No, thank you for that. And again, I'll be sure to put that in there. But Jillian, I just want to thank you for meeting with me today. You know, it's good having conversation uh, about this stuff. Usually it's like I walk into the house and I say a bunch of stupid stuff and that's usually our interactions. But I'm, I'm glad we were able to actually like have a good deep conversation about this. For everyone else, if you want to reach me, uh, my Instagram page is 19 year old drink podcast. And my personal page is WJG23. Hope you guys uh, learned a lot today about Mary's Meals and have a great rest of your day. Take care.